Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. All right, let's get started. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. Today we're going to focus on reaching people in a way that Jesus often did, through using stories. Now, you might remember, if you're a regular listener to the show, that a couple of weeks ago we talked with Brian Thompson, who shared a little bit about using stories to share the gospel. Today we have Regina Manley with us. She and her husband spent about 20 years, nearly 20 years, I guess, in Ecuador with the Mission Aviation Foundation. Then, after they returned to the U.S., God used a college class to birth in in Regina, a passion for adult believers who felt excluded from church leadership because they preferred oral learning. So Regina, this is a real pleasure. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brian. It's a delight to be here with you. So we've heard a little bit about you and your husband. Could you maybe share a little bit more about what you did with Mission Aviation Fellowship? Yes, we were working in the jungles, eastern jungles of Ecuador, where he was um, landing a couple of tons of aluminum at little small mud grass strips in the Amazon jungle serving the church. MAF flies in places where your choice is to either walk for days or fly for minutes. And it was our privilege to serve... um, many different um, Christians and denominations and Indian groups and Latin um, there in Ecuador. We also did community development uh, flying and a lot of emergency medical flying. It was a great practical way to show the love of God um, to both uh, Christians and non-Christians alike in a very isolated area where there are no roads. Yeah. So so I mentioned that after you came back to the U.S. that God kind of shifted you and gave you a heart for pr- people who prefer oral learning. But I suspect there's maybe a little bit of a story around that. Can you share with us how you came to focus on oral learners? Well, we had four children, and I had um, gotten my B.A. degree very... Um, a few years earlier because <clears throat> excuse me because I had married very young now all the children were out of college and the youngest was in college so I went back to school 
because I wanted to become a literacy specialist to help get the Word of God after it had been translated into the hands of people who had never had God's Word in their language. And so I studied at Biola University in Southern California and was working on a degree in applied linguistics. And it was very confusing three years because the more I studied about literacy, the more difficult I saw mother tongue literacy was to make happen. It takes really a community to get behind literacy and write books and create books because when it's in the heart language, there's just nothing written in these native languages except perhaps the Bible, which, you know, like if the whole ocean were a bathtub, (laughs) would you learn to swim? And I was becoming discouraged seeing how hard it was to get mother tongue literacy working. And in the midst of that, I came across the beauty of just, we'll call this oral communication or the natural way that most people communicate. We all grow up telling stories. We all grow up, no one had to teach us to tell a story Uh, We didn't go to six or 12 years of education to learn how to tell a story. We all do it. Hmm. And just some of the natural ways of communicating and story and song and dance and how beautiful they were, I really fell in love with that. And I thought, that's the most natural way to be communicating the gospel. Um, So literacy is good. Literacy is great. But what about these beautiful ways of that we all uh, communicate naturally. And so I finished my degree, and MAF moved their headquarters up to Idaho. And during the first year we were in Idaho, I was still kind of tracking, looking for a place to serve in literacy. And my great surprise was that our learning technologies division is a very new division that uses technology to get education to those isolated leaders where we were serving. They found that they needed to do more than work in the area of technology because in these areas where they're serving, many, maybe the pastor was reading, but most of the congregation was not. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to deliver education there, what good does it do to deliver education in written form if the people aren't reading, or very few are, just the pastors? So they were looking for someone to represent this large percentage of adults throughout the world that are what we call oral learners or preferred oral learners that love to learn through stories. They love to learn through drama, dance, meeting with friends, and they don't like to learn through reading. So we call those preferred oral learners. And that is exactly what I'd fall in love with, is that concept while I was studying literacy at Biola. Okay, so now as we think about these preferred oral learners, is this just a matter of providing the Bible in, in an audio form for them, or is there more to it than that? 
Providing the Bible in an audio form is, is great, and you know the technology is getting less expensive all the time. But then, then you're still connected or, or limited to the audio unit, right? Mm-hmm. We find out if you teach Bible stories, people can learn the word quite quickly. In fact, I do not like to learn Bible verses. <laughs> I have really struggled to learn Bible verses. And yet, I can learn a 7, 12, 15 verse story in 15 to 30 minutes. You know when it's in the story package? It's really easy to remember. It's got all that action and things going on. It's just a different animal than an isolated um, verse. So what we found is that you can teach large pieces of the Bible, story by story, and people can guard that in their heart pocket. They can remember it. Uh, You can review it or refresh it um, um, with maybe an audio file um, for a low literate. They can refresh it by reading. Um, But it's a quick and effective way to get people to learn large parts of the Bible. It's really quite exciting. And it's so much more fun, don't you think, to see a story told well or acted out. It's just so much more engaging than when we read silently to ourselves from the Bible. It's amazing how much dynamism it adds to the Bible story. You know, one of the things that kind of crossed my mind as you were sharing that is it seems like a lot of times we'll spend, you know, as a, as a literate person, we might spend a good bit of time going in and kind of dissecting what a particular word or what a particular phrase means. And I feel like there's real depth there and that there's real value. But at the same time, I, th- I wonder if sometimes we miss the story. You know, if we, mi- we miss the forest for the trees, do you find that sometimes that happens? You know, in one of the workshops that I... Um, was instructing in Dallas, there was um, a Bible translator that had been translating the Bible for over 20 years in Latin America. And she made this comment that when she just listened to the story, she realized that she was receiving the the experience as a whole. And it was so different from that... um, you know, teasing out line by line and phrase by phrase all of the uh, the work that she had been doing in translation. And we certainly are not going to um, say that that is not good. We want every, every language to have the Bible in written form also. Mm-hmm. But it's a different experience when we keep the story whole and we allow ourselves to emotionally connect into living the story and experiencing it. It's really beautiful. And at the same time, the Bible storytelling and discussion, uh, I teach several different kinds of Bible storytelling discussion methods, but you can go through that story just in chronological order and ask very... um, simple questions about what's going on in the story. You know, what do we learn from um, the individual when they say something or do something? And if you take your time 
and go through it in story order, once again, new insights come out of the story that make it fresh, and there, and and the Holy Spirit can speak to the individual just going through the story that way themselves and even more richly when you're doing it with a group. You know, one of the things that I typically ask in, in this part of the in part, this part of the interview is for for someone to share maybe a, a favorite quote or a scripture or something like that. But I'm wondering, and I didn't prep you for this, but do you have a favorite Bible story you'd like to share with us? Oh my. I think one of my favorite stories is when Jesus had been teaching all day long, and then he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. And so they dismissed the multitude and took Jesus just as he was in the boat with them. And there were many other boats with them. And this great windstorm comes up and the waves were crashing into the boat so much that the boat was filling up. But at this time, Jesus, he was in the back of the boat, asleep on a cushion. So the disciples came to him and they woke him up and they said, Teacher, don't you care? We're about to drown. So Jesus stands up and he rebukes the wind and he says to the sea, hush, be still. Now immediately the wind dies down and the sea is perfectly calm. And then Jesus turns to the disciples and says, why are you so afraid? Why is it that you have so little faith? But the disciples, they were even more afraid. They whispered to each other, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love that story. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. as I think about that one story, is there maybe a, a question or an insight that we should at, be thinking about or asking ourselves as we follow up on that one story? You know, when we go through the story, our habit is to just take each action and each statement as it comes and say, either what can we... What do we learn about the person and from what they said? Or what do we learn about the person? Or what other options could they have done? You wonder when they had come to Jesus, you know, what other options did they have? How else could they have approached him? Because Jesus certainly surprises us all by saying, Why do you have so little faith? <laughs> Yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. And I can certainly point to times in my life where he's asked me that question as well. Uh, some of them probably not my proudest moments. <laughs> and you know, yet in his, in his kindness, he immediately stands up and the first thing he does is just 
step in and, and meet their need. It's a precious story, isn't it? Yeah. A, it's rich with insights. Yeah, that's great. With that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the ministry. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Likely you've heard that poem or whatever you call it. It's actually an excerpt from a speech called Citizens in a Republic, that was delivered by Teddy Roosevelt in Paris, France, on the 23rd of April, 1910. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt is a guy who excites a lot of sentiments from people on both sides, for the good and for the bad. I've read a fair amount about him and some stories of his. In any case, I think that this excerpt from the speech is very motivating. It's a something that I want to think about and I personally want to understand. Likely it's an oversimplification because there in any significant endeavor there's not just one man in the arena. And I don't think that's what Teddy Roosevelt here is trying to say. I think he's trying to say that nothing replaces action and Criticism these days is, uh, you know, is, is an occupation uh, at various levels. And it's a trap that we can fall into where we highlight the imperfections of people who acted and ourselves, we failed to act. I want to encourage you today to find your arena and take action. Don't sit back and evaluate and all of those things. Jesus said, you know, a tree by its fruits. And a fruit is an after-the-fact kind of thing. You don't know the fruits before the tree's planted. And you really can never know results before action is taken. Take action and then evaluate. Scott McClelland with your Leadership Moment. Hope you're doing well. Contact us at fxmissions.com. See you next time on The Leadership Moment. Have a good one. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. If you have a leadership question, please send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com and visit fxmissions.com to connect with Scott and discover how you could be involved in short-term missions. All right. 
we are back with Regina Manley. We just heard her share a little bit about uh, the story of Jesus with uh, the waves and the boat and all that stuff. And if you don't, if you didn't catch that, you're going to have to go back and listen to it because I'm not going to share the whole thing. But now we're going to shift our focus because we've learned a little bit about her and what she's doing. But there's some specific things that are going on in her ministry that I really want to touch on. Uh, now, Regina, as I think about what's going on currently in your ministry, as I understand it, you don't just tell stories. You're also training people to use stories to communicate the gospel. And can you share maybe a little bit more about how that works? Sure, Brian. You know, my passion is really to equip Christian leaders and believers for ministry uh, by training them to use story, dialogue, and discussion And I want to spread awareness of the power of story and other oral methods to help Christians communicate the love of God. The main way I have done this over the last eight years has been through Bible storytelling workshops, and they run from one day to five days long, depending if I'm just training um, which story method I'm training and whether we're training people to do the method or training trainers of the method. And so normally most of the workshop is involves watching some examples and um, explaining a few of the parts. It's, it's very simple. Tell a story, um, retell it interactively with the audience in a lot of different ways. So you review enough times for them to re- remember the story enough to discuss it or remember the story enough to um, repeat it accurately, depending on which group kind of group you're training. And then the real heart of it is to go in after that storytelling and ask some questions so that the people can learn together and discover together truths and insights from God's Word. But another reason we're asking questions is because as a storyteller, we really want to know what they think about God's Word and what they see and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to them and through them. And so it's a very interactive time of everyone coming together as co-learners with the Holy Spirit being the principal teacher in the storytelling session. So this is normally done in workshops, and I've done these all over the world. And sometimes we will return and do a second workshop, and oftentimes I've been able to um, establish trainers from that second workshop so that they can continue multiplying the um, method out uh, through their denomination or their church or their ministry. The last two years, I finished, um, I, I transitioned to putting the whole instruction on how to do Bible storytelling discussion online. So it can be downloaded um, for free through the MEF website, and we can talk about that later, but it's 25 very short audio lessons. They're less than five minutes long. And then there's four different Bible storytelling and discussion models, everything from 
a simple, very evangelistic model to an in-depth Bible study model to another model for training church leaders and evangelists to memorize the stories and which they can use in church planting. So that has been my focus over the last eight years, and I am currently um, going back to school, taking some more classes in education to get my doctorate in curriculum with the goal of working with seminaries and Bible institutions and like-minded ministries to encourage them to include more oral communication skills as they train their leaders out in ministry. Wow, that's that's great. As I think about using stories, I, I just have a sense that maybe there are some people who feel a little bit weird, like maybe it's somehow less spiritual than reading a few verses and, you know, memorizing. I don't want to discount the four spiritual laws or anything like that. It, that's not my heart. But are there ways that stories enhance the gospel message? You know, this is um, a challenge that we really face is that in our emphasis on, you know, the reason that one of the great reasons that education flourished in the Western world was a desire to get the Bible into everybody's hands. So every man, woman, and child had access to God's words themselves. And that was one of the great motivations for teaching reading and writing. But in the, in the five centuries from the Gutenberg press making Uh, the Bible available to where we are today, the dynamic has become that stories have been relegated to the nursery and literate methods of teaching have become the norm. And that's powerful. I I want every person on planet Earth to know how to read and write uh, if they have a desire to do so. But it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to challenge you with something, Brian. Um, I don't know when the last time was you heard a sermon, but when I ask people during the workshop on Tuesday if they can tell me the three points, main three points from the sermon on Sunday, <laughs> rarely can anybody remember that. Rarely. And, and if they do, they took notes. And So I ask if they can remember the story or the illustration, and hands go up all around the room. And now we we think of of the message as oral communication, right? That was delivered by someone talking to us for 15 to 30 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. 40 minutes. And yet we're not remembering it two days later. If, If they did a story or illustration... We'll remember it. But you see, what we're doing is that we're using oral communication, but it's in a literate construct. We're taking isolated verses from all over the scripture, or we're filling in a blank on our the sheet that was put in our bulletin, or we've got an acronym for keywords or six steps. But what are we remembering on Tuesday? You see, that's oral, but it's not oral. It's a liter it's oral done through a literate construct. Those steps, that hopping around the Bible, that teaching by by a topic is beautiful and powerful if we can take notes, if we are going to go back 
to our file cabinet and read our notes. But I want to challenge you with by asking, how did Jesus teach? Hmm. He used story, right? Yeah. And parables. Of course, he taught with his life and the miracles, but did you know that close to 70% of the Bible is narrative? And Jesus taught using parables and stories. In fact, there's a scripture that says that he taught them uh, in everything using parables. And then he often asked great questions, didn't he? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it says that a pupil is not greater than his master, but when he is fully trained, he will be like him. And this is why we need to add story back into our toolbox. Preaching is good. Teaching is wonderful. We don't want to stop doing that. No way. But we really need to start doing also teaching the way Jesus taught. And that was with these memorable, gripping stories that he shared And even our personal story, you know, our Mm -hmm. personal story, our testimony is one of the most powerful ways that um, we can witness and and share the gospel. So some people say, oh, well, he used parables and and stories because they weren't very educated back then. But, (laughs) you know, when the teacher of the law asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus didn't take an Old Testament passage. He didn't define neighbor. He told the story of the Good Samaritan. And then when he was done, he asked the man, well, who is your neighbor? Yeah. <laughs> and he very reluctantly said, oh, the man who helped. He couldn't even bear to say the word Samaritan. He was so embarrassed, right? Yeah. And so that's how Jesus taught the most educated of his day. And who of us could forget the story he shared about the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son? Oh, my goodness. Doesn't that trio grip our hearts? So that is why we need to add this. I just want everybody to add it back into the toolbox. (laughs) Just remember that this is a power tool. Storytelling, using your story, Sharing the Bible stories, you know, when a friend has a problem, if they came into a situation where they were scared and not knowing what to do, well, you could certainly say, you know, I read a story a couple of days ago where people were really scared. Do you want to hear it? And then you simply share the story and ask, what do you think? Because God works powerfully through his stories. And it's a wonderful way that connects the head with the heart and gets us out of that just analytical mode where we can keep it sort of detached from our lives that we sometimes do when we are studying the Word. Yeah, so I have to be honest here. You kind of nailed me with that whole remembering the pastor's sermon from last week, um, which is a little bit embarrassing because I did take notes, and I'm actually the one that published it to our church's website, so you'd think uh, of all the people I should remember it, but I can only remember a couple of the points. So yeah, it's definitely true in my life. 
As you think about teaching orality, or I'm sorry, just you know, teaching through storytelling, we'll work with that. What is it that has you the most excited about this? What's really exciting, Brian, is that the number of people that can be empowered for ministry. Hmm. For your listeners, I want to encourage them to think about their story. They don't have to learn 15 Bible stories. They can just share their own personal story. And I want to encourage them to do that because in this postmodern age, there are people might question whether they believe the Jesus story, but they're not going to question your story. Your story is valid, and your experience is valid, and that will be respected. Even if they don't agree with it, they will respect it as a valid thing that you have experienced. And then as we look around the world, now about the statistics show that about a little bit less than half, about 43, 45% of Americans are only functionally literate. It wow. means that they, they're, they're not functionally literate, well, reading well enough to really handle a job that requires a lot of literacy. Okay, they're, they're reading their menus fine. They can read a paragraph on the internet. But so many, even in our wonderfully educated society, are learning mainly from TV, radio, friends, very, very small amount of reading from one another. And that's just an oral learning preference. So not only, and this, and, and sometimes, and, and if we come to them and say that, oh, in order to learn the word or really get connected into, um, Christian ministry, you have to be a strong reader or love to read that, learn that way. Um, that's going to be difficult. That's going to be difficult for some people here in our own society. But of course, we've got these wonderful tools of audio Bibles, and we can listen to the Bible and get a lot of things that way. Now, you turn that and our focus, and we look at the worldwide, well, easily. One in seven cannot read at all. Most who have been to school don't have any books in their home. So even if they went to school, they're not reading regularly either. And the majority of the adults in the world, even if they've been to school, are what we call a preferred oral learner. They may read, but they don't like to learn that way. Hmm. They like to learn in community. They like to learn, they love sharing stories. Now, what's happening was really exciting is that this 80%, whether low reader or medium reader or non-reader, they can be trained. They can be fully trained story by story to share their testimony, share God's word, teach God's word. They're raising up churches. There's oral learners and completely non-literate men and women who are evangelizing, making disciples, and starting churches all over the world, irregardless of their education. This is exciting. We can equip the, the church for ministry using, and my, my goal is let's use both methods, mm-hmm. Brian. I, it's, 
not exclusively or oral learning, but we need to be aware of our literate constructs when we're preaching the gospel orally, but using these literate frameworks that people can't remember and mm-hmm. repeat. So I just want everybody to be aware that storytelling, getting everybody involved in that discussion, opening the door for the Holy Spirit to speak to them individually is going to bring a dynamism to your home Bible study group. It's going to give you, encourage you when you're out talking with your your coworkers. You're going to be able to share more freely, learn to ask good questions where you learn about what they're thinking and how to connect that with the gospel. And so it's a tool that can make the church equip, equip every Every man and woman for ministry, the, the, the calling that God has in their heart, they can do it. They don't have to go um, to six or 12 or, or 10 years of training to, for God to use um, the believer in ministry. I think that's really exciting. That, that is. And Regina, I've got to be honest, you have totally set the stage for, I, th- I think, where we're going to be headed next. But first, we're going to go ahead and take one more quick Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Missions show. In, in any given community, you, there are tools that you can use to check and see how many people are looking for a new church in your town. But, you know, maybe the number's in hundreds. And, uh, you know, that's nice. But the truth of the matter is, for every hundred people who are looking for a church, there's thousands of people, maybe even more, who have this profound need. What is it? The need for Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And that need is probably not manifesting itself in their life as a desire to go to church. It may be manifesting itself as, boy, I'm just grieving the loss of this loved one of this relationship. I've got this hole in my heart. There's something wrong in my life. How can I find, uh, how can I find change? My life, I'm sure I wasn't made to live this way. Where can I find help? And those are the people we need to be reaching and just tweaking our website so it comes up good in the search engines is nice for the ones who are seeking that. But how do we reach out to the people who don't relate their need to a church. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Missions show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we are back with Regina Manley. I think she's really set the stage for what we've got coming up next, where we're going to focus on you as the listener. If you don't remember, when we left off, Regina was sharing some of her excitement about what teaching people to share the stories from the Bible and even their own story can really open open up for us. But Regina, that, that really is in contrast to some of the things that you were seeing before. Can you share more about that? You know, when we were serving these isolated communities, Brian, it was not uncommon for there to be young men and women who were on fire for the ministry 
and wanting to serve the Lord. And so the natural progression is to send them to Bible school, which is usually in the capital city. It certainly wasn't going to be in that jungle village. And with um, a great amount of sacrifice and personal adjustment, they might even be learning a new language. They would go through two or three years of maybe four years of Bible school training and come back with a real desire to serve their community. And yet, interestingly, since they came back um, teaching three-point sermons and and teaching uh, topically, they were no longer communicating in the natural way that the village uh, people were communicating with one another, and they would be very honored and respected, and the people would say this was wonderful, but they wouldn't really understand well that literate method of training that they had learned in seminary. And so the statistics consistently show that 90% of those that leave their hometown, jungle village, um, small, um, rural place where they're living, um, do not return back home to minister. They'll probably end up um, having a church in in the capital city. And that is a brain drain and a talent drain that just <laughs> broke our hearts. And that's why we tried to get our trainer closer to the village. And this kind of training allows them to communicate in the way the villagers communicate through story and uh, drama, maybe song in Africa. <laughs> and and like I said before, it's not to say that we don't want them to read and write and know how to, how to preach three-point sermons, but let's not lose the beauty of this oral communication. Let's get that added back into the Bible school and the seminary. So if somebody's listening to this, whether there may be a pastor who's going, now I understand why people aren't connecting with what I'm teaching, or there's somebody who works or happens to know people who they know just learn better with stories, and they want to take the next step. What is that next step for them? Well, the easiest way to learn about Bible storytelling and discussion is to go to the MAF website or type in maf.org slash storyfire. Okay. Storyfire is one word. So that's maf.org slash storyfire. That will take you to this audio course that will teach you all about Bible storytelling and discussion. And it's 25, less than five-minute audio lessons, so you can just pick one up on the run, listen to it, and get a group together of three or more people to practice your storytelling skills with. And part of the um, section two of Storyfire has four videos which are on YouTube, that give you different kinds of storytelling and discussion methods to choose from. So anyone can access that. It's a free download. If someone gets excited about that and would like to translate it or make it available in another language, it's published through Creative Commons, so you're free to copy it and pass it on. Just let them know. 
um, the source that you got that from maf.org slash storyfire. So that's a great way to connect. Um, I do a once a month practice session. I'm here in Idaho, so that's mountain time from 12 to 1 in the afternoon mountain time or 5.15 to 6.15 on the fourth Thursday of the month. So if someone wants to um, practice with a virtual community or if you come by uh, Nampa, Idaho, you can drop in and, and um, join us um, physically. We do a practice story session on the fourth Thursday of every month also. Okay, and if somebody wanted to find out more about that fourth fourth Thursday session, is that also information available on uh, on the website, the MAF website? You know, that is not, but if they go to Storyfire, um, maf.org slash Storyfire, just write in the comment section. Okay. And I'll get right back to them. And I will email them and and we can connect that way. Okay. And for those of you listening, if you happen to be driving to work right now or you're working out or something like that and you can't write down these resources, uh, the show notes page will be at engagingmissions.com slash Regina Manley. Just stop by there and we'll make sure that we have all of the links up there for you because I think this is a huge resource for the body of Christ and I want to make it available. Well, I'm not making it available, but I want to make it easy for you to get there. Now, Regina, what would you say to someone who's called into the marketplace, but they're starting to wonder if what they're doing really matters in the kingdom? Well, I would like to encourage them because the marketplace is exactly where the action is. You are right in the middle of where people need to, um, first of all, see the gospel. I want to tell you a story. When I was in Ecuador, I was taking, I was working on my degree and I was, I was doing interviews of Shuar women one in the town, one in the village, and one way out in an isolated, tiny village. And I asked those women, what drew them to Jesus Christ? And you know, two of the three women surprised me by saying the exact same thing. You know what they said? Uh -uh. They watched the missionaries. Uh And they saw the way the husbands loved the wives, and the wives loved the husbands. That's what drew them to Christ, hmm. seeing the love of God. And I want you to know that in the marketplace, you're being seen. The other woman that was even further out, um, that was the answer that her husband gave. Um, he watched the missionaries, and it was their love that drew them to Christ. And so I want you to encourage you that on the job, people are watching you, and you can be confident even when you don't, aren't seeing those comments every day, that they are seeing the love of Christ and the fragrance of Christ is something that you carry with you. Next to that, I want to encourage you to share your testimony. Mm. Share your story. It doesn't have to be how you came to know Christ. It could be something that the Lord encouraged you with, something that the Lord has done for you this week. You know, um, that is life in living water. And if you have a, a deeper relationship with someone that you can share your testimony, be sure to do it. it. 
there are many people that will listen to your story that will never go into a church and never um, hear the gospel in a formal presentation like that. Your story really is powerful. It is true to you. That's the one thing about the postmodern generation Mm. is they have a respect for each person's experience. And you can count on the Holy Spirit working through that. And I also want to let you know, for those that are working in the marketplace, that your giving, whether it's a tithe or to missions or to the homeless shelter that's working there in your community, that is an integral part of the ministry. There's going to be men and women that come up to you in heaven because it's all going to be known in heaven. And they're going to be saying, it was you that was behind that gift that meant I could hear the gospel. That meant I could be helped in my situation in time of need. We're a little disconnected when we, we feel disconnected sometimes when we're working hard at our job and we think, oh, it's, it's the people who are out there on the mission field or on, you know, doing this um, specific Christian ministry that they're really in ministry. Nope, nope, nope. You, my brother and sister, are feet on the ground and God's living hands and mouth right where you are with your story, with your witness with the labor of your love. And I want to encourage you with that. So I think I can guess what might be the answer to this next question, but I I want to ask it because I'm really excited to hear what you might have to say. What would you share with someone who's looking around and they're beginning to realize that more and more of their neighbors or perhaps their coworkers are coming from other countries, other cultures, perhaps places where we thought just a few years ago, the only people that ever meet these people, whoever they are, are missionaries. Yes, isn't that exciting? The whole world is coming to our doors right here. You don't need to go to um, Africa in order to encounter Muslims. Um, I really want to encourage you to be interested in them, learn about them, be respectful and, and of, of their beliefs, and be willing to share yours. You know, Muslims love prayer. They so love prayer. And most Muslims will be open to prayer. And many people are very curious about the different things that they're seeing here now that they're out of their context and their environment Hmm. and are usually far more open than they would have been if you went to visit them in their village where everybody was pretty much believing the same thing. And so I hope that you'll prayerfully consider that you really are God's missionary right where you are. You're on mission with God, and he's delighted to work through you. And you'll find a great blessing as you uh, gain the courage to just open your mouth and share uh, what the Lord is doing. Start small. Boy, I am so grateful to get up this morning. It's a beautiful day, and... It's, it was created by my God. Start small, work up, 
So is there maybe one book or perhaps an audio book that you'd recommend for our listeners? I actually have two different things I would like to recommend. For those that are um, interested in how this storytelling works for reaching unreached people groups and and, uh, oral context overseas, there's a book called Making Disciples of Oral Learners, and you can... Google that and get that for $5 on the internet. And if you go to the Storyfire website and just ask for the oral learner's book, I can send you an electronic copy if you want an electronic copy for free. Okay. So that is kind of a world focus on how um, oral learners are being reached through storytelling And it's happening through a lot of ministries. Very exciting. For those that are here in that marketplace situation and wondering about, um, we'd like to be encouraged in in that setting. Of course, you can learn the Bible storytelling method from the Storyfire website, mf.org slash Storyfire. But there's another book I found very encouraging called Telling the Gospel Through Story, Evangelism That Keeps Hearers Wanting More. And this is a great book by Christine Dillon, which I found very encouraging about um, a practical guide to doing uh, storytelling, both with your own story and with a Bible story in everyday settings. Good deal. And again, those will all be linked up in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Regina Manley. Now, Regina, we're just about out of time. I did want to ask, if people wanted to partner with you financially or in prayer, is is the MAF website the best place for them to connect, or is there a better place to connect? That would be great. The MAF website would be great. We have a, we have a, a missionary page there under Jim and Regina Manly. Okay. Um, and they can always contact me through that Storyfire website. Also, I'll, I'll get right back to them if I can connect with them by email. That's great. So, Regina, thank you so much. This has been a truly wonderful conversation. I really appreciate your time and your generosity. And for those of you who joined us, thanks so much for being here. It was, it was really great to have you. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.